Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 257. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Doing pretty good. All right. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Bong Joon-ho's latest Okja, which is now available on Netflix. We'll be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. I was thinking that uh, we could just dive right in, talk some Okja. Let's do it. So, as I said, Bong Joon-ho wrote and directed this. I have a synopsis here. Meet Mija, a young girl... Who risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a massive animal named Okja. Mm-hmm. We'll start with you, Kevin. The stars, I guess I could mention Tilda Swinton, uh, Paul Dano is in there, Jake Gyllenhaal's in there. All right, well, what did you think of Okja? Uh, I quite enjoyed Okja. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I had a blast with this movie. A blast. Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know. Were you like me where you were on the verge of tears? Oh, no. I wasn't on the verge of tears. Like, I had the <laughs> just... tears. The tears were flowing. That that one scene, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a scene at the end, uh, towards the end, where the tears were just, they were flowing, boy. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think I just I sufficiently fought them off. I mean, I fought but back, you, like, uncontrollable weeping and sobbing. I was able to fight that off. But I couldn't. I couldn't fight off the tears. They were. They were present throughout that that scene. Man, that 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 scene is just. It's such a. It just tears you up. You know. So yeah, there's a lot of scenes that do in this movie. Which is. Uh, I, I don't know if I was quite prepared for that. I don't know if I was. You know, thinking that going in, that it was going to be such a ride. It was. It's. It is definitely. It's definitely got a little bit of everything in it. I mean, it, it has this it this kind of dark satire that that ha- that is runs through it, which I really liked a lot. And then, kind of coupled with that dark satire, you do have those those more dramatic moments that that uh, do tend to evoke a lot of emotion. Just because, you know, this these creatures, these little pig creatures. Well, they they call them, they call them pig creatures, but they don't look at all like pigs to me. They look more like yeah. they kind of look this like is, dogs, like a, like hippo okay. hippo dogs. Okay, okay, that's why I, I wanted to try and stop you because I wanted to see what you thought too. Because we we were kind of going the same route. We were trying to figure out what these things were, and we kind of came to the same conclusion: is they look more like hippos slash dog. Yeah, because the like their mannerisms are definitely dog-like. And the ears remind me of dog ears, but their yeah. body shape and their mouths and their little snouts kind of remind me of a hippo yeah. and their tails. I, 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 didn't, I honestly didn't see pig in it at all. No, that, that was, yeah. And they constantly, I think maybe they just call them super pigs so that people, because if they called them super hippo dog hybrid, then people would be like, no, I'm not eating that. 
You know what I mean? So I think it might've been part of their marketing strategy to market them as just this new type of pig, which we already eat to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's part of it. I think it was part of their marketing strategy to, to call these creatures giant pigs or super pigs. <laughs> super yeah. I wonder, I wonder what they, what they, uh, you know, crossbred it with. I don't know. You know how they came with, you know, to create these super pigs. Probably a lot of terrible stuff. There was, uh, I, I don't think it's a big spoiler, but there was one scene that, that took place in the area where these things are sort of uh, tested and worked on and created. Yeah, which that, that uh, caused some problems for me later on. Made things seem, you know, but there's a certain thing that happens in this uh this super, this secret laboratory or whatever and then for what happens after that kind of doesn't make sense considering the you know the lengths that they go through to end up well maybe they didn't i wasn't sure that they planned on that result that end result to begin with but i thought that just because of what happens maybe that's they decided to just go do that mm-hmm. Okay, they just kind of like we'll cut our losses, right? Like that just, wasn't always part of the plan, because because it seemed because it, it was after the other. I mean, we're we're definitely getting into the weeds here with skirting around spoilers, but I think it was it was after the other person took over the company that they de- they made the decision to just that's know, true to go that route. That's true. So I think I yeah. think that's I don't think the way that it ended up was always the plan to begin with. But let's let's step back. Let's talk little bit about um the plot what happens in this we know it's about a super pig creature we know it's about a little girl who befriends this super pig creature but basically there's this corporation who they they're the ones that sort of created these these creatures and they hold a contest around the globe to see who can raise the best one i guess and the in in Korea, they they're the ones that are picked as the winner, and it's this small kind of remote farm out in the middle of nowhere. And this girl and her grandfather are raising uh, Okja, and he, Okja is the one that is picked as the winner. And the, he, they fly to New York to uh, have this big parade and ceremony and all of this stuff. But the girl realizes that these these animals are not going to be free they're going to be farmed and slaughtered and bad things are going to happen to these creatures so she kind of teams up with this uh activist group this animal activist group who to uh try to get okja back and release release her and is it him i can't remember i know they say that it's no it's a girl it's got udders that's right so it is a girl i guess yeah because they do the whole mating thing oh god yeah yeah uh, for some yeah. reason, like we were literally just talking about that, and I totally forgot that that, <laughs> that that's that's like one of the hardest scenes in the whole movie. Um, yeah, that was awful. So they they go to New York and they try to to hatch this plan to to free Okja, and I, I really liked that aspect of it as well. The whole kind of it's almost like a heist movie at this point, where they're they're trying to steal Okja back, this giant lumbering creature. I liked their plan. I thought it was cool. And I like that group too. It was like, it was very kind of cheeky and fun, but uh, it, it definitely they got serious when they needed to be with it. Well, that was then. Uh, that was another thing that I wasn't quite um, 
expecting going in was the amount of humor in this film. Because you're right, it, like at certain points, it, it feels much like a, a heist movie. It's kind of like an action movie. It's this endearing, family-friendly film because you have this creature and this small girl that cares for it. And it's, it's it, you know, it's all these genres kind of rolled into one. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that Bong Joon-ho is known for. At least that's what I know about him is, the, you know, this is the guy behind Snowpiercer. And Snowpiercer was very much the same. It was a, it was a sci-fi movie. It was an action movie. But there was, you know, a solid amount of comedy in that movie as well. And there was all, it was kind of this mixture of all types of things same same can be said about memories of murder which is at its core uh police procedural you know it's a murder mystery but there were all these other things that that really helped elevate it above you know a a standard you know genre yeah and yeah and you're right like with memories of murder that's one of those things where you're you know it's the type of film where you least expect humor to show up but it does, and for whatever reason, he's able to make it work. Right, and in that movie, he brings in horror elements as well, and the host is it's the same way with the host. The host is a big, giant monster movie, and that has a gobs of humor in it. It just it has so much character, the, the, the film itself, and it's just, that's a movie that I can just keep rewatch over and over again. Like most of his movies, actually, looking at his the movies that I've seen in his filmography, I've seen almost all of his movies more than once. Mother, I only saw one time, but the other ones that I saw, I I've viewed multiple times because his movies, and I think Okja is the same way, where it's it's a movie that you can rewatch and still enjoy it, coming back to it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. and with considering his you know other films in his filmography, did you? I, I was keeping a lookout, and I didn't notice anything. But did anyone get drop kicked in this movie? Mm. Um, I don't. I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Is, but I don't think anyone got drop kicked in Okja. I think. Well, the girl kicks. The girl kicks some people. If anybody did it, I would say it's the girl because the the bulk of the actors I in guess- this are are Western. So. I guess you could say that she did dropkick that window. Oh yeah, that was that an door. awesome scene. That was fantastic. I loved it. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Um, cinematography wise, visuals wise, uh, that was one th- one thing that surprised me was the physicality of that actress. Like she just she had no fear going into this. I mean, she would just run straight for whatever obstacle is in her way, and the way that it was shot. I mean, it was shot like a like a like a fight scene like a big action scene but it's more like her just chasing after different you know chasing after a truck or chasing after okja or whatever that may be and yeah. it was done i thought that that was done so well in fact i thought all the visuals uh, were done really incredibly well including okja which was the thing that i was like kind of you know yeah. you know we're not there yet with cg animals where it's like you can't tell the difference, you know, it's like, it's not quite one-to-one. However, when you watch this movie and I, I was trying to pay close attention when people would ride, like touch the animal and it just, mm-hmm. it looks so good in this movie. Like 
You can only everything everything with Ocha looked really good. There was only one sequence, one scene where it, it was kind of iffy, but even then it wasn't it wasn't terrible. That was in the very beginning, at least for me, it was when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of like rubbing his hands, you know, across Ocha's skin, and he has his face pressed up against her. That was the only thing that was kind of like, yeah, you can, you know, what I mean, you can tell that this is CGI. Yeah, and we're gonna come back to Jake Gyllenhaal in a second, but but, but everything else I thought looked good. Yeah, effects wise, I, I thought this the the scene when uh, the um was in a was it in a mall where she, like a underground <laughs> that looked awesome. Like that whole scene was so cool. I thought that that was so yeah. well done. I agree. I apologize if I'm missing things because I I saw this like two weeks ago and I didn't have time to rewatch it. <laughs> So uh, I'm already so, you're so unprofessional. I'm already struggling with it. Uh, I want to. I want to. I watched this like three hours ago. Okay, well, good. It's fresh in your so mind. I can, then. I, we'll, can, we'll, I can fill in whatever you're missing. Yeah, we'll like equalize. Well, one of the only things that I did not like about the movie is Jake Gyllenhaal's character. I thought he was stupid and over the way, way too over the top and cartoonish and cornball. I was alright with him. I didn't think like. I think if he had like a much larger role, I think it would have caused more of an issue for me. But with him being kind of subdued, I didn't. I didn't think that it, you know, detracted too much. I just thought he was annoying. Yeah, I mean, he was. I a guess it was bit, designed I, to be I, annoying. I, yeah, I did like. I liked the idea of his character that he was this kind of, uh, you know, washed up Animal Planet type host. Yeah, I liked that, but. I thought he was it wasn't, very it was, annoying. It was, a, it was a really odd character. It's just like the voice. Yeah. I don't know what that, I'm so confused as to how the voice worked with him. Because when he was on camera, where, it was different. Yeah. And then outside of that, it was like really shrieky and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I mean, I know going in, going into it, I, I did read that a lot of people were kind of upset with his, his character. You know, the overtopness of what he's doing here. But I mean, overall, I don't think it really bothered me too much. Well, I mean, it wasn't a deal breaker for me, even in the slightest, like this, this movie is still, I still love this movie. I mean, this is still going to be probably one of my top movies of the year. I, I thought it was just fantastic. So, I mean, it, at this point I'm trying to just, pick, <laughs> I'm just, trying to pick at nits here. <laughs> you're just looking for stuff. Yeah. You're trying to bring Ocha down. Damn. But I mean, it, you you got, and my wife pointed this out to me, is that, you know, you have Jake Gyllenhaal, where he kind of goes over the top, and people are like, oh, this is kind of shitty. But you have Tilda Swinton in the same movie, who she does over the top all the time, and people fucking love it. Well, I don't know. What... She's got fake teeth, and she's fucking, you know, she's, there, got, I, I, she's being just as ridiculous as he is. Maybe, maybe. But the thing about Tilda Swinton's character is I just, I, that character made me laugh. Like, I just, I enjoyed that character more. I was less annoyed by that character. So, for me, that was, like, more of a pass. Yes, she was completely ridiculous and over the top. And I read that in preparing for that role, she researched, um... Ivanka Trump. That was her inspiration for that character. Oh, jeez. <laughs> which that makes me hate her. Uh, which uh, you know, like break. when when you watch this movie and think about where we're at 
in the world and the specifically the United States today, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see where <laughs> I can see where the parallels are right here with this movie. Yeah. But there's also that thing where like, is that the new thing now? If, if you, I wonder if she has this in her contract that if you hire her for a movie, she has to play two roles twin wise, you know, maybe between this and the hail Caesar. She's, like if she's you, if you hire me, you have to give me two parts. And she has to I'm wear fake teeth. Got to have fake teeth, two parts. Yeah, she was she was the bad guy in Snowpiercer too, and she had the the fake teeth in that too. And she was yeah. ridiculous and over the top, and I loved it. She's becoming the female Johnny Depp. I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. I mean, she's definitely better than Johnny Depp. Far. Much yeah, better. absolutely. But the thing for me, the 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 thing that I think is uh, the aspect of this film that is the most brilliant to me is that he is able to create a fake animal, which doesn't really look like a pig, even though in the film it's called a super pig throughout, and it's kind of have like you and me said, where it's you get this like half hippo, half dog thing going on. So you have a animal completely made up, but yet you're able to, I would hope for most people, create a connection between the viewer and this fake animal. And you're able to connect with it and feel, you know, empathy for this thing that does not exist right. at all. Yeah. And a lot of people. Like it could have been, it could have been, he could have went the easy route and just had it be, you know, a pig right, or a cow. And you could have, you know, been like, oh, my God, yeah, the, the treatment of animals. Oh, my goodness. This is terrible. But you create something that doesn't exist whatsoever. And yet at the end, you're still like, God damn, I can't believe they did that to the Okja, mm-hmm. the hippo dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people are, are comparing this to E.T., which I'd say is a somewhat apt comparison. But... Yeah, you do definitely form this bond with this completely fictitious creature. And I think that, you know, through through the storytelling, through the relationship between uh, Okja and, and um, Mija, and just through how the, the creature's animated, it looks like a real creature. And it moves and yeah. acts like a real creature, and it has a personality. You know, th- this, the, these things are intelligent, like... We, they get, uh, he gets right off the bat. You understand like, this is a creature that has intelligence. There's a scene where Mija is like, she falls off a cliff basically. And Okja has to save her. And when in that scene, you're like, okay, well, he's like figuring out physics here. Like he knows this is a smart or she, she, this is a smart creature. Get the, get the gender right. Jesus. I know. Whatever. She's an intelligent animal. I mean, pigs are smart, and she's a super pig, right? So I, I'm going to say double smart, maybe triple. I don't know. Oh, and the baby ones are just so adorable too. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I mean, Kevin. How many times did you did you reach for your dog? <laughs> None, because I hate my dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was there was some uh, there was some dog snuggling. There was some there was some petting of the dog during this movie. That's for sure. So were you on your end or your wife's end? 
I, I got in there. I got in there a little bit. Uh, I now refer to my dog as my Okja. There you go. She, she's my Okja. I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing, like, we're going to see this on t-shirts. This this creature is going to be big. Okja's going to be big. <laughs> she's going to be so famous. Just so famous. Yep. I mean, there was, I mean, it is kind of the 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 ending is kind of bleak in the sense that it's, you know, capitalism is the only way to right i thought that was so you know, I, I, overcome capitalism like i understand it yeah and it's like it was so appropriate like i just i yeah, loved i loved how that all played out <laughs> i was just like that is of course of course that's how it works mm-hmm. yeah because it is it's fairly realistic i mean he's throughout the film there is this like sh- this strand of naivete but you know it uh it disappears at the end, which I thought was uh, I thought was a good choice, right? Because the girl she lives in isolation. She lives in this like beautiful, picturesque, you know, mountainside hut, and she's yeah. she hasn't been exposed to the, the horrors of the world. Yeah, which I mean, on that end too, it's it it feels more so like a uh, like a more uh, uh, truthful coming of age film you know than what we're kind of used to oh yeah i mean you you can definitely see her arc you know it's very apparent on the screen like she yeah because she's kind of getting hoodwinked by everybody not even you know not only the corporation behind the super pig but also the the alf the animal liberation Front. she's kind of getting hoodwinked by everybody she is but at the same time she still doesn't put up with any of their shit like she never she never loses track of of her goal, you know. She she yeah, because her goal is simple. Her goal is simple is just get Okja, bring him back to the mountains. Her now I'm doing it. God damn it, bringing Okja back to the mountains. Which I mean that's a pretty good goal. I want to do that. Yep, I want to take Okja back to the mountains. I saw that uh, a lot of people were seeing this in the theater. People were paying to see it in the theater. I guess that's a good thing. I don't really know. At this point, I don't even know. <laughs> the good news is it is. 2017. Th- th- we don't know. This is playing on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can check this out for now. I would say that of the of Netflix's original uh, fiction yeah. films, this is the, the best one I've seen. Yeah, which I did. I'm glad that you brought that up because we've we've kind of pointed out over you know across several podcasts where the the netflix films kind of all kind of meld into one yeah they look the same a lot of them have the same themes feel the same they have the same kind of tone to them this is the all-star melanie linsky yeah they (laughs) that is true that i didn't yeah yeah this but this is different though this is the this is the first at least Netflix film that I've seen that is kind of that kind of jumps out from those from the other ones. The only the only other one that I would say was even I mean it's not even on the same level, but it was still good was the Tramps, the one that came out a couple months ago. I'm pretty yeah. I'm pretty sure that was a Netflix one. Uh, yeah, that was a very yeah, different kind of movie. But this was like a big budget, you know, triple A movie this isn't just some kind of like the the effects work and the 
production of this it's it's big i mean it's got big actors and this this is a, a big screen experience that you can see on netflix yeah yeah and I, and i think that it's the start of hopefully what'll be many good things to to come from netflix i mean there is a part of me that's wondering if i'm being much like mija as i'm being maybe i'm being hoodwinked by the the pandering to animal lovers that's going on here but at the same time i'm okay with that yeah same here i mean i, you know I, I, mean? Like I had that, an idea that, is... that it was going to be like that going into it and i was i was totally fine with that i was totally on board with that yeah i'm just kind of like yeah i don't care if you're just pandering to me because i love animals that's cool i'm fine with that because i love animals i don't care exactly it's great <laughs> animals are awesome i, I think that this is a tough movie not to like I, you know, and it just, it works for me, even though it is, um, for the most part, I don't like this. I usually don't like, um, like blunt art, you know, where like the, the message is just, it's just blunt, you know, there's not a lot of subtext to this film really, but I'm okay with that. It works for me. I'm okay with it in, in instances where they, they just, they revel in it. Like they just, yeah, they just, they just, you know, they, there's no pretense to this film. They're not trying to do subtext. They're just like, okay, from the outset, no subtext. It's just, it is what it is. It's kind of right there on the surface. Just let's have fun. Yeah. They're just smearing it in your face the whole time. And Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how Snowpiercer was as well. And there's, uh, I think that, to me, this handled it better than Snowpiercer did. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that For too. Me. Yeah, I think a lot of that with Snowpiercer was from the source material, though the uh, the comic book series because mm-hmm. it, it mirrored okay. the, the that series pretty pretty closely. All right, Okja now on Netflix. I'm gonna give this one an eight out of ten. Kevin, what are you gonna give this one? I th- I'm kind of think the same thing. I'm thinking eight. Fantastic movie. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was a good time. Yet another, I mean, I was was pretty confident in this movie to begin with, but I will again reiterate that that Bong Joon-ho is able, he's one of the few directors that made it over to the, he's making movies that appeal to a Western audience and they're not horrible. You know, like he's one of the few directors. Yeah. Uh, Asian directors that came over here and I don't know what the situation is behind this movie. Cause like part of it takes place in South Korea, but part of it takes the bulk of it takes place in New York. It's got a yeah. mostly American or Western cast, which is, that's the main thing that I noticed with him is the thing that he's able to do the best. And is the, um, that melding of comedy. Right. And, he, and he's, and he's also able to keep his, his own culture in his movies too. I think that maybe what happens with a lot of these uh, directors that come over here is they just, they start making movies for an American audience and they, and they kind of, you know, part, part of what they are known for may, may be getting lost, you know, on its way over here. Yeah. But I think he's so far, it seems like he's able to, they keep all of that together, the comedy and the action and everything. And it seems like he's getting better at it. Because like I said, for me, I think this is better than Snowpiercer was. So it seems like he's really honing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I pretty much love everything that he's made. You need to see the host big time. Yeah, that was, uh, 
that was something that I that I recognized while watching this. I was kind of like, yeah, I need to see the host. The host is very Pretty similar. It's about a giant monster and a little girl. So it's it's the same thing. Mm, is it a hippo dog? No, it's a hippo dog. No, it is definitely not Name a hippo Oka? dog. It is okay. a it is a horrific monster, and it's huge too. It's not like it's not the, it's a lot bigger than Okja. World War Godzilla. She doesn't. Yeah, it's it's Godzilla's. She she doesn't become friends with it. It attempts to eat her. Oh, okay. So okay. I think you'll like the host. I, I maybe it's showing its age at this point because that there's a lot of CG in that too, and I'm I'm wondering how that holds yeah. up because that that one's an older movie, but mm. I think it's probably still a solid watch. Okay. If you like hearing us talk about Asian films, stay tuned because right now is the New York Asian Film Festival, and uh, I I'm in the midst of watching a whole bunch of Asian films from all over. We got Chinese films, Japanese films, um, South Korean films. I plan on seeing there's maybe some maybe some Thai films in there. I'll have to look at the list. I think but so. Yeah, there's a, I think there's a couple. There is a ton of great stuff, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it uh, in just a moment. But mm. actually, I could probably mm. segue into that. Do it. Okay. Do it yeah, right we'll, now. I dare you. We'll segue into dare it. No, segue right now. So the festival started on Friday. It kicked off Friday. And it runs uh-huh. to the like 14th of July, I think. Okay. Uh, okay. I saw a number of things that I can't talk about just yet. One that I can talk about is called Battle of Memories. This is kind of an interesting one. It's like this uh, sci-fi crime thriller that basically takes the concept of eternal sunshine and spotless mind and makes it into a crime thriller. So it's about a guy who is going through a divorce with his wife and he wants to remove the memories that he, the, the, like the best memories that he has of her, like them meeting and different, different parts. So he goes to this company who specialize in memory removal. So he has the memories removed. He goes home and his wife is like, I'm not signing the divorce papers until you put those memories back in there. So he's like, all right, fine. So he goes back, gets the memories put back in, but he realizes they're not his memories. They put somebody else's memories back into his head. And those memories are that of a serial killer. So he goes to the police and he says, look, I'm starting to remember these murders that are taking that have took place They're but they're not me. I didn't do them, but I know if I keep remembering, I'll, I'll be able to figure out who the killer is. So he starts working with the police to figure out who this serial killer is. And it's really cool. It, at one point it starts playing with dream logic. So like, he has 72 hours to get those memories back. So he doesn't remember everything right off the bat. So what he does is like the, one of the cops is like, just, just tell yourself you're dreaming. And then you'll like go into the memory. You'll dream about the memory. So it it goes into this kind of inception like realm where he's dreaming about the memory that he's recalling. So he's like in a dream within a memory and it's it's really cool how they do it. Like all the memories when they when he uh, envisions them, they're all done in black and white. 
And instead of the person who was the original person, it's, it's him because they're his memories now. And he's yeah. like looking around, like he can't do anything. Obviously they're, they're just memories. So mm-hmm. it's like, he's watching a, a movie basically of these things happening. So he just has to kind of observe and look around and like, try to remember all the details that he can like phone numbers, addresses, if he catches a glimpse of something in a reflection. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's kind of a cool concept. Uh, I was going to say, it sounds interesting. Yeah. At the very least. It definitely enough so that it piques my interest that I want to check it out. Yeah, it's well executed. Um, I have a review for this up on the site. The there's a couple things that that didn't necessarily work for me, but one of the one of the really cool things that I felt like they didn't develop it quite enough, but it was cool that it was there in the first place is the fact that they realize the memories that were implanted in your head are a serial killer's memories. So there was this big concern that after these memories finally finished taking shape, that it would actually like fundamentally change his personality and turn him into a killer. Oh, so there there was that, that element of it as well. Um, I, I figured out who the killer was really early on. I think most people will see it. However, I think that the, uh, the director, Lest Chen, I think that he knew that and threw in an additional twist at the end that I doubt anybody will see coming until right before it happens. So, you know, it's, it gets a little convoluted. It gets a little messy, but overall it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. It definitely kept me entertained. That's for sure. So keep a lookout for that. It's called battle of memories. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of a mess is okay when you're dealing with a high concept like that. Yeah. You kind of expect it to be messy. You want it to be. Almost. A little bit. A little bit. You want that mess in there. Uh, I watched one other film. Just one. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, just one. It's a French film from 1954. Uh, Touche Paul Grisby from uh, Jacques Becker, which this is... It's one of those things where it's like... It's all right. Yeah. It's a decent enough time. Well executed. Pretty much a, you know, kind of a simple storyline. Not a whole lot going on. Pretty straightforward. Really compact uh, screenplay. Uh, you got the, the thing for me that at least makes it like full and enjoyable for me is it stars Jean Gabin, who for me is just, he's one of those actors that's just when he shows up on the screen it's just it's a welcoming presence where you're just like you know this movie could be bad but he's gonna make it okay which is kind of what happens here where it's it's pretty straightforward there's not uh the filmmaking isn't really that all that interesting i mean there's a couple flashes of brilliance here and there where there's um some nice tracking shots and some uh some some touches of violence for 1954 that was a little bit uh, surprising to say the least. Um, but it, it's essentially, he, he plays like an aging gangster and him and his buddy uh, pulled this job, this one last job, right? Which is from the outset, it's kind of the interesting thing is, you know, we're kind of used to this where people, they're, they, this is their last job they're going to do, right? And it just, it all goes to shit. But in this film, they already done it. Right off the bat, it's already done. They're they're home free. 
They got the loot. No one suspects a thing. They're done. They're retiring. But the thing is, is that some younger gangsters kind of catch wind that these guys pulled this job and they have a shitload of money, right? So they end up um, kidnapping the one guy. So Gabin has to essentially save his friend. And of course, they, the ransom is, you can see your friend again if you give us the money from the job you pulled. So uh, it kind of plays out that way, right? So for the most part, it's not, you know, you kind of know what's happening throughout. There's really no surprises or anything. Um, the, the ending to it is it's a bit bleak, which was somewhat surprising not full on but somewhat and that's really the only thing that i found um exceptional throughout the entire film was the ending uh everything up until that point was kind of eh Mm. so i mean it's it's kind of like a toss-up where it's like i you know i like i enjoyed myself i'm glad i watched it did i have to watch it no you know what i mean like if i never saw it I probably wouldn't really be missing out. So it's one of those like light recommend type deals. Okay. And that's Touche's Pass O Grisby. It sounds about right. Or not. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, I saw Baby Driver. Look at you. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this guy. Saw some Baby Driver. Had a blast with it. Highly recommend it to everyone. Uh, okay. It is. It's just a. It's so much fun. It's just a nonstop fun-filled car chase. That's what this is. This is, it is, I remember, I guess it was last week when we were talking about this coming out and we were like, I had heard that people were calling it a musical and I would say, yes, it is indeed a musical. Like this, this is definitely a musical and it's the best kind of musical where there's no like weird uh, singing within the world but there's a never-ending soundtrack in this. So, like, as you probably saw in the trailer, the the main character of Baby, uh, played by Ansel Elgort, he has tinnitus in his ears from a car accident when he was a child. So he has a constant ringing in his ears, so he has the need to be playing music all the time. So because he's listening to music all the time, we're listening to music all the time. And it just goes from one song to the next through the whole movie. And mm-hmm. that may sound tiring. It does. There, there are a few scenes where the music cuts out, but for the most part, it is just a constant playlist going. And the music, it because Baby is listening to it, or he's playing it on the the radio in the car during a getaway, or you know wherever he may be. Uh, a lot of times, the other people that are with him, like his the the. Um, like the, the criminals that he's around and stuff, they'll be listening to the music too. There's this sort of interaction, this, this symmetry between the music that's playing on the soundtrack and what's happening on screen. And like, for instance, this is like a, just a small thing, but like gunfire, like gunfire in this always goes along with the beat of the, the music. And there's more overt things like he'll just be singing whatever track is playing or dancing to it or whatever. And it just, it works so well within it. It it sounds like it might be a gimmick and it sounds like it might be kind of silly, but it just, it works so well within 
the confines of this pretty basic heist movie. I mean, it's it basically is just like him falling in love with this girl, heist. A little bit more of that, heist. A little bit more, heist. And like that's just kind of how it goes throughout the whole movie. The characters are far more one-dimensional than in Edgar Wright's other movies. Like that's probably the the low point of this is the characters. To me, at least, Edgar Wright has always had really strong characters in his movies. Uh, a lot of his movies, I would almost consider to be ensemble uh, casts, you know. But yeah. in this movie, I thought I thought the characters were pretty one note. Like they were all basically just kind of stereotypes. I thought Kevin Spacey probably had the most to play with, but Ansel Elgort's character—he's basically like a slightly more talkative version of Ryan Gosling from Drive. Mm, okay, Sli- only slightly. Like the dude—the dude barely talks. <laughs> so, but either way, I mean that—that's a small—that's a small thing because the the rest of it just plays out so wonderfully. And and the other thing the first half of the movie is way stronger than the second half. And because of that, it, it feels like it, it falls a little flat. Uh, but that's just because the opening sequence, like the, the basically the first act of this movie is just so strong. It just, it's so exciting. Like the movie starts during a heist. So like they just jump right into the action and it's, it's awesome. I can't wait to see this again. I really can't. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty excited for this one. Amazing soundtrack too, by the way. I don't know if you saw what what's going on in the yeah. soundtrack, but I heard that the uh it seems like the soundtrack is kind of the the star here. Oh yeah. I mean that's which is going to be interesting to see. It's all about the music. Like if you're not yeah. I I think maybe if you're not gelling with the music, you may come off it, well, see, it, it may <clears throat> not be as effective, but I don't know how you can't be because it's it's got a really wide variety of stuff too. It's not like all the same stuff. And that's what's that's what's interesting to me, or at least it's going to be interesting going in because I'm usually not a fan of soundtracks in film. You know what I mean? I'm usually like I want to hear like an original score. I don't want to hear like a soundtrack. Right. And this is like all about the soundtrack. I mean, yeah. the the yeah. movie itself is basically. Edgar Wright's love letter to music, you know, and him telling everyone like we should all have a soundtrack to our lives and they just music enriches us and it, it can enrich our everyday lives. And that's kind of what this movie's all about is just how music uh, can, can help make a dull, boring workday bearable, you know, <laughs> but uh, run the jewels is in there. So there you go. There you go. All you need yeah, so Baby Driver, definitely check that out. Uh, I saw The Beguiled. How is this? I, I'm I'm going to be on the fence with this one. I'm going to be honest. Not for me. It mm-hmm. wasn't for okay. me. Uh, it looked gorgeous. The Everything as far as the production design, the costumes, uh, the lighting, the cinematography. I mean, this. I loved the look of this movie. Holy shit. It was awesome. The performances were pretty great. Nicole Kidman, awesome. Colin Farrell, awesome. Uh, Kirsten Dunst was awesome. Elle Fanning was, eh, she was she was okay. She wasn't terrible. And Una Lawrence was really good too. She's the she, she's the younger one. So performance is good. As far as the the film itself, just narratively, there just wasn't a lot there, which 
was a, a real surprise to me. Like there just wasn't a lot going on in this movie. I mean, it's, it's, I, I did not see the, the first film, nor did I read the book that this is based on. And mm-hmm. from what I understand, this movie is based on the book and not the film, the original film version. But I didn't see those. So I really didn't know anything more than, you know, the basic plot summary where Colin Farrell is a soldier, a wounded soldier during the Civil War, taken into this uh, girls' boarding school, and that's it. Like, I knew that there was obviously, from seeing the trailer, that there was going to be some sexual tension going on there, and there is. Spoiler. But the thing is, that just doesn't really... There's just not a whole lot going on from there, honestly. Like, there's just not, not a lot. And I guess maybe some people probably like some people probably thought that it was really suspenseful or filled with tension and it's there, but it just doesn't amount to much to me. And I I don't know. It just, it left me feeling like it was a bit flat. Hmm. I didn't hate the movie. I liked it. I just didn't, it didn't blow me away. Yeah. Like, I mean, everybody seems to be really loving on this one, but yeah, for me, it just, it wasn't quite there. Just missed the mark a little bit. So that's pretty much all I saw. Oh, I did see Kill Baby Kill uh, from 1966. This is the Mario Bava movie. Tell me about it. This is, uh, I know you saw this too. I think you you talked about this on the show a while back. Hold up. You did. In fact, you wrote a review on Letterboxd for this. Yes, you did. I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) Wait, hold up. One second. Let me pull it up real quick. Kill Baby Kill. Yep. Mario Bava, 1966. Does it have like a different title by any chance? Operation, uh, Operation something. Okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. This is the one where the guy gets killed at the beginning on the. It's a girl, but yeah, she, she falls down. Yeah. She's on the metal spikes. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Spoopy's all right. Yeah. That's kind of how I thought about it. Uh, I'm covering this one. It's there was a there's a new remaster, a new restored version coming out uh, next next week. This week, what is this? Let me look at my calendar. This week, it's coming out on Thursday uh, in New York. So yeah, it's being re-released in theaters. So I, I wanted to give it give the new remastered version a look. Now I never saw this movie before. I enjoyed it. It's one of Mario Bava's earlier films one of his gothic horror movies uh there were some aspects of it i i liked a whole lot um even though this is one of his earlier movies he definitely has his it has his kind of trademark style in it is the cinematography was pretty incredible right up right up my alley not quite on the same level as some of his later movies but still really good i think um Blood and Black Lace came out before this, and I, I was a huge fan of Blood and Black Lace. Like I loved that movie. So, you know, th- this one's not quite on the same level as that for me, but it was pretty enjoyable nonetheless. Basically, it's about a... Uh, th- I-, I think it might be... It's in Europe somewhere. I don't know exactly where. It's in a small village. Uh, I read somewhere online that it-, it was supposed to be Transylvania, but I don't know that for sure. Mm. basically this village is cursed and this ghost keeps killing people uh in this village and a 
a doctor goes to examine one of the one of the murders slash suicide slash deaths that happen. He starts to uncover the mysteries behind this village and why this uh, dark entity is out killing people. And it's it's pretty decent. I'm actually looking at the the letterbox review that I have here. And it is interesting because at the end, I kind of say that uh, all the other aspects are forgettable. And I pretty much, apparently at the time that I wrote this, in 2014, I've forgotten the, most of the film, <laughs> except for the opening. And I love that at this point in time right now, the only thing that I can remember is the opening of Kill Baby Kill. And I remember absolutely nothing else. Yeah, it's definitely a forgettable one. That's for sure. I, I'm I, sure I, that I, I will forget it. I don't remember it. anything. Because I'm even like reading, even reading some of this stuff. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like it doesn't jog my memory in any way whatsoever. Except for the opening. I, I do remember the opening being pretty uh, creepy. There were some other creepy moments. The the child, the, the child with the ball, the bouncing ball. Some creepy moments with that. But over, overall, I would say it's uh, one of my lesser favorites of uh, Bava. Okay. Granted, right. I there's still a whole bunch of his filmography that I need to discover. So... All right, let's go ahead and talk about some new releases next week. What do we got next week? We got Spider-Man Homecoming. That's the biggie. That's the big daddy. Now, I know uh, I know you won't be seeing this because of Tom Holland and his stupid British face. I don't Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen. I might, I might see it. I don't know. I like Tom Holland. I, I think that uh, this is going to be really fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. It might be one of those instances where I'm like, I just want to go to the movie theater. You know what I mean? What do you got? You got Spider-Man Homecoming? Okay, I'll do it. Sure. We also have a, go- a ghost story. Now, if the theater has a ghost story, I will pick a ghost story over Spider-Man Well, you know Homecoming. your theater's not going to have I'm- a ghost story. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and guess, though, that my theater is not going to have a ghost story. I'm really excited for this one, actually. David Lowry... Written and directed, heading back to the smaller indie movies after doing uh, Pete's Dragon. He seems like he's going to be a one for them, one for me type of director. There you go. I like the aspect yeah. ratio on this, where it's the like square. I don't know if it's a one one or what it is, but it's got that really. Oh, it's got, it actually has the. It's got a, a different aspect oh, ratio. Oh on. yeah! Oh yeah! I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like a. It almost looks like it's the kind of. One one eight millimeter style, where it's like a really small box, basically. Yeah. And I've seen the trailer, the trailer for this multiple times in the theater, and every time I saw the trailer, it was in that aspect ratio. So I'm hoping that the the actual movie is that done like that. I think it is. (laughs) That would be shit if they just yeah. I I can't imagine that they would like. (laughs) Oh man. Do something like that. That'd be that would be shitty. Uh, let's see what else yeah, we got. An asshole move right there. We got City of Ghosts. This is a uh, documentary, I believe. Austin Found. That that's got the same style of poster as like American Ultra and that that other like heist movie that I think maybe the guy who did uh, Zombieland. Can't remember the name of that movie. Oh. But so many of these comedies have that orange gradient background that goes to the white. Yeah, what's what is that about? 
What's going on there? That's oh, horrible. Well, they say that uh, the, one of, one of the most the, the most popular uh, or eye catching colors are blue and orange. And then you have so you have Craig Robinson here with his bright blue overalls. Yeah, that makes sense because that is I think that uh, oh, I forget what that's called. It's a color theory thing. Yeah, where it's like naturally contrasting but, colors are like the most yeah, eye yeah. eye catching. Yeah, you'll see a lot of movie, the, movie posters have it. But what's the thing with the with the gray or not the gray, the the orange to gradient? I don't know. Like, I, don't <laughs> I don't know what that is. Maybe just to this give it has, some texture. Maybe just so it doesn't look weird, like a flat orange background. Yeah, it's just bizarre. There's like a is the sun setting behind them? Is that what's happening? I don't know. This movie. Uh, I don't know anything about this. It, it's not. Doesn't look like it's my thing, but that's Skeet Ulrich. It does have Skeet Ulrich. I, he plays Billy. Yeah, Patrick Warburton, Chris Parnell, Jamie Presley. And some people in it. Linda Cardellini, Kristen Schell, Craig Robinson in overalls. <laughs> I might see it just for Craig <laughs> Robinson in overalls. At least got like a wrestling mask that he pulls off, and he's like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> This is, I don't know if this is a good idea. That's what it looks like he's saying with his face. <laughs> it's his face looks like he's saying, I'm doing this for the money. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have here. Swim Team. That's another documentary. Hickok. Western. Okay. Undercover Grandpa. Not sure what that's What's all that about, about, but... Hold up. That is another orange to blue color there. I have to. I I need to know more about Undercover Grandpa. Well, it stars James Caan. What? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! There's actually people in this. Paul Sorbino, Louis Gossett Jr., Jessica Walters in it. Finally scored a date. Then she's kidnapped. Then he enlists his old World War II unit. They're gonna go on one last it looks mission. Like, the, the cover of this looks like that Cody Banks movie with uh, Frankie Muniz. <laughs> oh God! All right, let's see what else we got here. Cherry Pop. We got that's pretty much it. That's it. Yeah, not not a lot. Well, it seems like not a lot going on. I mean, week. if you if you had to pick one, I would say Undercover Grandpa. It seems I have, um... and then also Austin Found to see what Craig Robinson is doing with these overalls. All right, next week on, or this week on VOD, we have Man in the Camo Jacket. This is on uh, 4th of July. A Life Not to Follow. America Has Fallen. And I think that there's another one that comes out. No, no, those are the three for uh, 4th of July. You know if a movie's coming out on 4th of July, that's, that's not a good sign. No. No. And then on July 7th, we have Bad Frank. Bad Frank. <laughs> this is uh, one with Tom Sizemore. I love the poster for this one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was going to say that the, the title sounded familiar. Now I now I remember. Tom Sizemore just screaming. Yeah. A reason in the I background. Love I love that poster. Uh, God. Blu-ray this week. This is for Tuesday, July fourth. We got Blood Hunters. We got Bet Bethany. That's that horror movie with Tom Green and Shannon Doherty. That sounds interesting, to be honest. I was gonna watch it. 
they sent us a screener for it, and I was going to give it a look, but there's just there's so much that I didn't get around to it. We got The Comedian. Mm. That's the one with Robert De Niro that's supposed to be terrible. We got Song to Song. That's the Malik one that's supposed to be terrible. We got Zookeeper's Wife. That's one with Jessica Chastain supposed to be terrible. We got Peelers. I was going to say. That's, uh, that's one we've talked about a few times on here. It's got a... Yeah. Very provocative cover on that on that one. A drone, that's the one with Sean Bean. I wonder if he gets killed in it. He's a drone pilot, so I I, I think that that might be one where Sean Bean makes it all the way to the end credits. No, he's going to die. Oh, there's a movie called Bitcoin Heist. That's oh. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's Bitcoin, Bit- Bitcoin Heist, huh? All right. Getting, getting relevant here. Getting recent. Current event action. Watch out. Um, that's pretty much it, really. There's there's not a whole lot because of the holiday. Mm. And I take it there's no Criterions this week. None. There's nothing. Zero. Nothing coming out. Mm. Got to make way for that holiday. You know? Okay, well, this weekend, uh, this holiday weekend, I would say just watch, get caught up on Twin Peaks. I'd say if you're in New York, check out the New York Asian Film Festival. If you haven't seen Okja yet. Give that a look on Netflix. So you, you, you got plenty of stuff to watch. Plenty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby yeah, Driver, if you didn't something. see that in theaters yet. Uh, the Beguiled went wide this past weekend, so you could yeah. check that out. Did it go wide? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I, uh, interestingly enough, we actually got the Beguiled. Yeah. Because it Believe went wide. <laughs> well, I mean, there's other things that go wide and we don't get. And I mean, for me, I was like, there's no way we're getting the beguiled. That's not going to happen. It, it didn't go like we got it. <laughs> it didn't it didn't go like crazy wide. It, it's in like six hundred and seventy something theaters, uh, which is interesting because I read that it did better at the box office than than Pirates five. And uh, was it tra- was it Transformers? I think I think it was. See, that's, be, the thing. that's where the, where it's so it's so confusing around here you know what i mean like i'd never thought we would get the beguiled and yet we did the and mummy there's other movies. yeah then there's other the movies mummy it did like, better than the mummy that's what it was okay so mummy and pirates mummy 5. mummy and pirates five it, it okay. did better than those two this weekend and then there's other movies that you think that we're gonna get and you think for sure oh well, yeah we're totally getting that movie and then it never comes yeah, it's but just a weird, you know. it's like a weird exhibitor thing. I mean, the theaters have the final say in what movies they get. They can pick the movie. And if they think it's not going to do well in their area, they won't pick it up. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that, you know, if it's a if it's a chain, if it's an AMC or a Regal or one of these, that they're all just going to get the same movies. But I think that ultimately it's it's up to the the owner of the theater. I think. I don't know if those are franchised. I think they might be franchised. A lot of those. The only thing I can think of is it being Civil War centric for this area. Oh, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. It's kind of. And maybe maybe they're thinking old people too. Like they might be like, oh, we have a lot of old people in this area that might be interested in seeing something like that. Yeah, because they're obsessed with Gettysburg. We got the you know nine part documentary. On VHS that they watch once a year. <laughs> the old uh, Ken Burns. Getting yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Mummy and Pirates 5 were each in 1,670 theaters. So 
just about a thousand more theaters, and the Beguiled did better than each of those. Mm. So that's impressive. Yeah. Good, good on you, Sofia Coppola. Because I would say, while I didn't absolutely love that movie, uh, I would, I would always want it to do better than those, the, the Mummy in <laughs> Part Five. <laughs> it's yeah, a movie I want to do well. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.